this is not the message, but God is so faithful. He's so good to know what we really need. And look at verse uh, 42. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42. It says, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And I have to think that this precious lady, her name is Miss Mamie. We call her Mamie. Mamie. And what was her formal name? Hallelujah. Every... Ms. Stroud, everything I've heard about her, she's with Jesus. And it has a lot to do with our message today because what we're going to talk about today is what we all can identify with, and that is planting in our children a message so that it bears fruit a hundredfold. You know, the Lord was speaking to me back there about this precious lady. I don't know her, yet I do know her because she's a child of God. She's my sister in the Lord, and therefore... I will rule and reign with her. And we're going to introduce each other or introduce ourselves to each other when we're there. She'll be glorified. But I want to tell you, I can identify with you and I know where you're at. And I've experienced loss. You know what is cool? Is that Jesus doesn't ask you to be any other way or have any other feelings than what you have this morning. He identified with grief. He identified with loss. And the cool thing is is that Jesus whenever we have that loss, He doesn't tell you, as my wife says sometimes, you know, the world has a way of whenever you're suffering loss or you're going through tough times, they tend to pile it on. No, not the saints of God. We come to take it off and help you bear it, right? Jesus was a burden bearer and He bore the sins of humanity. He was that oxen. He had the strength. And so, I know that when I lost my father not too long ago, Jesus showed up in some serious power. He, he gave me grace that was tangible. And so, it's that inexpressible joy. And joy is not always a smile, you know? As, as I tell Rhonda, a cracker smile, you know? But, you know, joy is persevering through tough times. It has nothing to do with our message, but, but Jesus is so faithful this morning. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's lift our Bibles up. Come on. And say, Lord Jesus, change me. I never want to be the same. Thank you for this awesome Word. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, let me share a few parenting statistics with you. Alright? It says, uh, this comes from Focus on the Family. I don't know if any of you have ever followed a little bit of James Dobson. But I like him because he throws out statistics. And without directly pointing a finger at me or you know, somebody, he does it through stats. I love it. He gets away with it. He says, nine out of ten parents of children under the age of 13, that's 85%, believe they have the primary responsibility for teaching their children about religious beliefs and spiritual matters, while 11% said their church is primarily responsible. All right? Nearly all parents of children under the age of 13, 96%, contend they have the primary responsibility for teaching their children values. Okay? And it says about two out of three parents of children 12 or younger attend religious services 
at least once a month and generally take their children with them. And when you go on to look, I mean, it's a vast amount of statistics that he pulls up. And if you want to write this down, this is a cool website to go to. It's called www.barna.com. And Barna, there's a lot of books out there by a guy named Barna. Now, he's in a little bit to the positive thinking and, you know, Zig Ziglar type Christian and, you know, loves all that type of way. But the neat thing that it seems like God gave his statistical mind to do is to come up with family stats, and that's how he's blessing the body. Another one is in beliefs. Check this out. In 2005, 45% of all adults agreed strongly that the Bible is totally accurate in all of its teachings compared with 42% in 2002 and 35% in 1991. I'll touch on these in a little bit. Some more. What that tells me is there's a huge responsibility for us as parents to get it right. We have these precious little children as Miss Mamie had her children, and she taught them. And she's bearing fruit a hundredfold. My mother and my dad are with the Lord, and they're bearing fruit. Their fruit goes on and on and on. And what happens if you don't do that? What if you're not producing fruit in keeping with the kingdom with your children? You know, they're the next generation. You know, if we lose them then the next generation below them will not even know God. And we think, you know, people say, I had a good friend of mine once say, well, Gary, I'll come to the Lord, but what about the Aborigines in Australia? They don't love God. I said, hold up. Have you ever looked into their history? Somebody way back did, but they zigged when they should have zagged. They should have got right with God. Usually it comes with an offense, right? All right, Shalom Bayit, say it. Shalom, shalom Bayit, peace in the home. Shalom Bayit. Peace in the home. God always comes to me, it seems like, month after month. And I get it right some, and I don't get it right sometimes. But what He talks to me a lot about, because I have three little ones, is peace in our home, not strife. Because if there's no peace in the home, it is like a cancer dwelling inside your home, and your kids will have a distorted view of who Jesus is. Because remember, He is Sar Shalom. He is Prince of Peace. So if you have no peace in your home, how can you realistically point your children to the Prince of Peace? All right. We might get into some Scripture here. Hallelujah. Go to Deuteronomy 4, which I know you all have heard a good bit. I want to let you know, too, that the stories that Eric told you about me in Israel are absolutely true. <laughs> I love God. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 6. Yeah. Turn to Genesis 1.1. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. Now, uh, it says... No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> Genesis 4, verse 6. Well, hey, 5. Good morning. Shalom. Hallelujah. Hey, Brother Bobby, how you doing? Woo! God is good. If you're there in Deuteronomy 4, and for those of you coming in right now, I'll just kind of bring you up to date. We've had a precious saint go on and be with the Lord. Uh, her nickname is Miss Mamie. She's, how old was she, Brad? 
Woo! Wow. Hallelujah. She was 95. She's with Jesus. And kind of what the Lord is bringing out this morning is a seed that is sown in the natural will be raised in the spiritual. All of us are going to taste that sting of death, and it has a sting. But Jesus wants us to know this morning that those of you who fall asleep in Jesus, He's going to gather you like a child. And it's important that right now, while we have this time, to get it right with our children. And if you don't have any children or grandchildren, you are a child of God, right? All right, Deuteronomy 4, verse 5. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show you wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him? How about it? He's right there by us. Verse 8, And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws? That's instruction. As this body of instruction I am setting before you today. Uh Uh-oh. An imperative. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. This is the key. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when He said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me. Not necessarily fear me, but revere me. It's like this. It's like I'm in awe of you. Okay? To revere me. Alright? Hold that thought and go to Proverbs 22.6. While you're going there, I'll turn to Deuteronomy 6 and read you this. Verse 6 or chapter 6, 1 says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws. Sounds like something a little different than just laws, huh? The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. It's something that we're going to have to take. So that you, your children, and their children, there we go with that lineage, that generational thing, And their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Before we go to, uh, where are we going? Proverbs 22.6. You know, when the Jewish people, the Jewish culture, when you study that, keep in mind, all of the studying about Jewish culture, Jewish history, it's all for right relationship with Jesus. That's all we're doing it for. Some people may say, hey, man, you're kind of running around with a shofar, or you're doing this, you're doing that. You think that's good for your children to see all that, since we're a Christian? And we reply and say, yes. Because to get an accurate picture of who Jesus is, we need to let them know about the culture. Right? Amen. Um, in Proverbs 22.6, it'll talk about training or starting. But in the Jewish culture, what they would do is when a child would come to school, Judah, Christina... Whenever you get to the first day of school, this is how cool their teaching society was. The rabbis had a methodology of teaching that they wanted it to make it sweet to you. 
If Pastor Eric has shared this with you, check this out. What they would do, they didn't have paper like Brad's got right here and writing pens that cost $9 now in Office Depot. They had uh, more or less like clay tablets. And the alphabet or the alphabet that we get, they would fill in. It would be concave where they would draw out the alphabet. Then they would begin to write out Deuteronomy or part of the law. But that first day of school was quintessential in their minds to have a sweet taste. Are we making the gospel to our kids a sweet taste? And here's what they would do. They would pour honey in each of the little concaves or each of the little places where the alphabet was written out. And then they would give it to the child and he would dip it with his finger and taste it. So that first impression was, the Lord is a sweet taste to my mouth. We're supposed to, what, devour the Word, Jeremiah says? So, what that teaches me is, or what that really tells me is that there's a lot of weight on us to do it right with our kids. But you know what? It's not a burden, because if we just go to the Lord and read His Word, He gives us all of the precepts that He wants Judah and Christina and all the other kids out there to know about. All right, Proverbs 22.6. Pastor Eric, why don't you read that for me? It's page 727 in the Thompson chain if you're turning there. And Proverbs 22.6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Okay. So train a child. And you know that train has a lot of different meanings. Train means start or begin. That's what it really means. When you really do a study on this, and you can in the book Our Father Abraham by Marvin Wilson, it doesn't just mean you do it all for him. It means stardom. And then you live like Jesus. Because if you live like Jesus, they'll follow behind you. But just stardom. Don't force every move that they make. You may do a little more of that when they're little to about eight or ten. But when they can read and understand God's word, God's word they are coming into the age of accountability. You know, in America, we, we raise our kids to be kids. And, you know, I'm a kid at heart. But Jesus always comes to me and said, there's a time for joy and laughter and so forth. It does the heart good. But you also need to meditate upon my precepts because that's what helps you grow up. So, Jesus wants to make that sweet to them. And as parents, if we understand, hey, we're just, our job is to show them Jesus and to start them in the way. It kind of takes the burden off when you say, hey, all we are is a conduit pointing them to Jesus. Now, they may get a distorted picture from time to time, but that's okay. Kids are real forgiving. If you hadn't picked up on that, they will forgive. Long time sins. I know my father and I had a disagreement, you know, for a couple of years. It just sat there. And then when I got born again, one of the first things he had me do is go to him and say, Daddy, I'm sorry but I shot that window out when I was eight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it was Mark. <laughs> but you know what? God wants you to get it right because it's crucial. You know, you read you know, about the Jews and their trials as they went from nation to nation. And, you know, He would burn you if you married into the Canaanites or if you married the Ites, as they say. Why? Because He, he didn't want the nation to get distorted and perverted and get into their pagan rituals, right? right? We too can't get into pagan idolatry. 
We can't have a foot in the kingdom and a foot in the world and think that we're fooling Jesus. We can't do it. All right, Matthew 10, verse 13. Come on. This is good stuff. Amen, brother. We like it. Hallelujah. So, if you don't have kids today, you're probably going to adopt 10 or 12 in the next two years. <laughs> All right. We might lend you two from time to time. All right, Matthew 10, verse 13. Says, oh, I'm sorry, 1,080 for you people following by tape ministry or CD or Internet. All right. Let's see here. Verse 13 says, If the home is deserving, let your peace, your shalom, rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. And my question to you is, is your home deserving of peace today? How many people... Go to church. They can't wait to get there because the glory and the peace of God is here. But it resides, it should be residing in our home. And so if you're out of balance there, I've been in my walk, couldn't wait to get there, you might ask yourself, what are you running from at home? Because peace should reside there. All right. So are we deserving of peace at home? And... Do our kids deserve peace? Yeah, because if we want to point them to the Prince of Peace, they got to be surrounded in it. Uh, Psalm thirty-four, fourteen. By the way, the title of my lesson was "A Godly Prescription for the Family." All right. This is the first one. Peace in your home would be number one. All right. Psalm thirty-four, fourteen says, and bear with me as I flip there. All right. It says, uh, hey, do y'all have an afternoon service? Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm full, I feel free. Oh, man, I didn't know. <laughs> Golly. All right, <laughs> yeah, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So how do we have to get it? We have to pursue it, and we have to turn from evil. All right? And then Matthew 5, 9, this is my personal favorite since we've been on this trip. All right. You know it's right there close to the Beatitudes. Have the right attitude. And look at verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So sometimes we have to make peace. We have to make peace with our children. And the world out there is telling you, Eric, if you spank Judah, you're not right. Because the Cherokee Indians, they reason with their kids. Matt... Don't be overbearing. You know, too many swats to the hiney may devastate their self-esteem. But we know that is totally contrary from Scripture. And it's part of our obligation to train and to start them in the way. It may mean that you have to make peace in your home, right? We have to wrap them in love. Just surround them with that. If you, if you are going to spank them, of course, what do you do? You go to them a little bit afterwards... You give them a little, I call it, my dad would call it a cool down. You let them cool down, and you go to them, you pray with them. You wrap them in love. I saw one picture of that early in my childhood, but it was never wrapped in love. So it wasn't a perfect picture of who Christ is. Yeah, Jesus comes to you, and He will discipline you. And boy, it hurts worse than any spanking I've ever gotten. Well, maybe a few. uh, But then He wraps you in love. 
you know, something that's not taught to our children, it's definitely not being taught in the schools, is repentance. We need to repent. And why are we so fearful of that word? And why are we fearful of teaching that to our children? This church will be a church that will go out and stand, no, stand on the corner and show love, but will tell them the truth and say, to get right with God, you have to repent. And so, to tell our kids anything other is a distorted message of who Jesus is. All right. Uh, peace. That's what our home needs. That's number one. Number two that we need is praise. We need to show them praise. So we've given them a little bit of peace. That's one prescription. Y'all can't help but talk this talk. I'm a drug rep. That's what I do for a living. Legalized drugs. So when I... I, I that's right. That's right. I knew I'd be a drug... No. My dad used to always refer to me as the drug-dealing son that loves Jesus. And I, dad has quite an oxymoron going on there, you know. But, you know, when you go in a doctor's office, you know, there are thousands of people, and people are on a lot of meds out there. I mean, the average consumer over 65 years of age is on five medications. That could be a good thing, or it could be a bad thing. If you look at all the people who are on depressants, Prozac, Paxil, you name it, it might be a bad thing because I think that Jesus, if we will praise Him and lift our hands, it'll be like a good medicine coming to us. And we're going to look at that. So the second prescription for your home and that you need for your kids in order for them to see the right picture would be praise in the home. So go to... uh, Let's see here. Let's see. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15. And before you go there, I did pass up something I think is really really cool talking about peace. There's a story, and you know it, Pennyhaas and Hophni, or Phinehas and Hophni, on peace in the home. And I didn't want to pass that up. That was a bad example of peace gone, ar- gone awry and bad teaching gone awry. You know, Phinehas and Hophni were the sons of Eli. And at the same time that Samuel was being reared in the temple and blessed Hannah had already in her mind purpose, she would give her son to the Lord. When you read there, go back and read that story. We don't have enough time today. But Phinehas and Hophni didn't do it right. More importantly, their daddy didn't do it right. He was a priest in the house of God. We're priests in the house of God. And if we'll wrap our kids in love and show them peace and and do that, they'll not turn out that way. Another good example of it going right is in 1 Timothy 1, verse 5, and that's the story of Timothy and his mother, Lois, Eunice, the grandmother. And so I can't help but think of that today with Miss Mamie. She did it right. Her sons, where are they at today? Or grandsons. They're sitting in the house of God. And there's, I don't know if they how many sons or daughters, but I'm sure, knowing what I'm knowing, they're there too. She has a good legacy. All right. Praise, it's a wonder drug. I mean, if you could market praise, it'd be a $5 billion drug. You know what the number one marketed drug is right now? No, it's Prozac. The number one marketed drug. The most revenue generated from a drug is Viagra. So our society is termed to, A, I want to dull down my senses and increase my pleasures. You know what? And I'm not going to run with that message. Boy, that, 
<laughs> that might be one I want to run away from. Hallelujah. But uh, Jesus, He offers us way, a way better drug than those two. And there's a plethora of others. I promote one for, for uh, folks that need to void their bladder. I mean, it's just a practical thing. And they're good. Medicine's good. The medicine from God is better. And I'm not here promoting that if you have an ailment, you can't be on a medicine. But it is something to think about that after being in the medical industry now six years and seeing and hearing the things behind the closed doors of the doctors out there, what they say in the hallways, they didn't all have the same attitude as Luke, you know, the good physician. So we need to pray with fear and trembling before we take our children and ourselves to the doctor. So, hallelujah. <laughs> Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Give me a second to get there. Hallelujah. It's 1342. 1342 in the Thompson Chain uh, Anointed Bible. Hallelujah. For all you Nasby people out there, it's okay. Don't feel hurt. <laughs> Verse 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. You know you know about all of the sacrifices that were made in the temple and so forth, and Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. But sometimes before we get that praise, it takes a sacrifice. And with our kids driving down the interstate, when the lane narrows to two and it's five o'clock in Houston traffic, You've got to fight to have praise and peace in your vehicle, you know? You know what I'm saying? I'm just being real with you all. You've got to fight for it. And sometimes you've got to discipline. And sometimes you've got to cover in love. And sometimes, dads, we just need to look at our children and say, Hey, Judah, will you forgive me? I'm sorry. Daddy blew it. But you know what? He's there. And Jesus really comes in power whenever we're humble. And he, and he helps you get that picture right. It's all about painting that picture to your kids. All right, go to Isaiah 61.2. All right. And if you're in the Thompson chain, I've got it now. It is 8.28. All right. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, in verse 1, is on me. Boy, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness from darkness for the prisoners. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So applicable today. What do you do when you put on a coat? And what is a coat doing? A coat is trying to warm you up, right? So if you see the picture here, the imagery, if you're putting on a coat of praise, it must mean you're cold spiritually. You must need something. And whenever I see ashes or think of ashes, then I... I must understand that the fire went out. So sometimes, like Paul told Timothy, you need to fan into flame the fire 
and the gifts that God's given you and bestowed upon you. But He's there for you to give you a garment of praise to put on. So sometimes you have to fight to find that praise. And you have to really just lift up your hands and put on His garment to get into His presence. Uh, It really is, because if you think about it, so many homes have strife in it, and they don't have praise or peace. Right? They have everything else. Kids are on Ritalin, Adderall, extended release, whatever. They're on medicines. We're dumbing down our kids, and we need to be exalting them and pushing them to get in the presence of God. Nothing would do my heart greater than for Christina to tell me one day, Hey, Daddy, come in my room. I'm worshiping Jesus. You know, we were on a trip recently, and she told me we were looking out in the mountains. We were in the Smoky Mountains, and she said, Daddy, woo, God is big. And man, I was driving. I like to went off the mountain. Because I was like, you know, just you want to hear anything out of them that has to do with Jesus or God, you know? It's so encouraging because you know you're sowing that seed and you're getting it back. And now I can finally understand how the Father is. He's like this. This is how He is to us. And then He'll put a garment of praise around you. Right? And for the prodigal son who went out, he did like this. And then he killed the fat calf. <laughs> and he wrapped a robe, put a ring on his finger. And that's the type of God we serve. It's not this. It's this, right? So peace and praise. And we'll jump down to the last one. This is something Pastor Brad preached last week. And boy, it's been reeling in me. Brad Lively, I'm sorry. Uh, he preached on perseverance. And turned to... Speak up. Oh, back home. I'm sorry. Not here. Back home. He's coming here. He's coming here. Hallelujah. I'm not prophesying that. <laughs> Luke, Luke 18. Go there. And you know, I'm going to miss out on sharing this. Peace, here's a good definition of it. For those of you who like to look it up and do an etymology. Peace. Shalom, it's a Hebrew verb. Alright, it means to be whole, sound, or complete. It's a harmonious relationship with God and man. It means wholeness, salvation, a salvation or sacrificial offering, friendliness, and the biggest meaning that this particular Unger's uh, dictionary wanted you to get was it was reconciliation one to another. Praise is gratitude or approval. It's an expression of adoration. Praising of God, the acknowledgement of His perfections, we do it with our it's action. That's the Hebrew language, very action-oriented. It's done in singing or it's done in prayer. Okay, The highest form of worship, what is it? What's the highest form of worship you can give God? What do you think it would be? It's a trick question. Your life. To the Jews, it was study of God's Word. Isn't that amazing? We, we think it is to sing. That was number two, to sing. David in the temple had uh, 36 different types of instruments going nonstop, 24 hours. And that's how we're to be with our kids. Not literally or physically, but that's the spiritual aspect we're supposed to have in the home is praise. Okay? Lastly, perseverance. And Bull Bradley had a good uh, definition. Same thing out of Unger's. Or uh, Vines Dictionary, if y'all read that. It's an attitude of doggedness. 
tenaciousness, grit, backbone, immovability, stamina, and sticky to itness. That's perseverance. Okay, look at uh, Luke 18, and it's a story. You probably like this one. Boy, Jesus has a heart for widows and kids, orphans. Uh, all right. 11.64 for those of you in the Thompson chain. Thank you, brother. All right. He says, Then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to Him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. How many of you know Hannah had the same perseverance? Are we teaching our kids the third prescription that they need in the household or giving them the same the third prescription which is perseverance they need that go to uh, James 1 all right and this is page 1343 in the Thompson chain James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. In verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, blowouts on the interstate, kids vomiting in the truck, uh, you name it, whatever, you're going to experience it. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And this comes from Lynn Johnson. This is her favorite scripture verse, one of them. She's a precious saint, for those of you who don't know her here, back in Baton Rouge, who mentored me when I first got spirit-filled, along with Brad and Eric. Uh, Justin? Brad? Verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. So you're not blessed until you persevere. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You know, I can't help but think, whenever mama's gone out and you're with the kids and or whatever, and she comes back and there's a little chaos when she leaves, maybe not too much, it's persevering in those type of times that's essential for them to see that Daddy can do it like Mama can do it. And our full-time job is being with them, right? Our part-time job is going to work. That's the easy part, going out and making a living. The full-time job that Jesus has the dads doing is raising the family. But yet America out there teaches that Mama needs to be the breadwinner co-equal with Daddy. And I mean, hey... America's almost got it geared to acquire the needs and the wealth that you need to have. 
Now, this is according to the American marketeers. You have to have two people out there really getting it. Or your kids won't have the things that American marketeers want them to have. But you know, in Jewish culture, it is so simple. It's a simple life. They were farming people. They were hard workers. And the only picture that they were commanded by God to paint was for them to see Yahweh and know that they would need a Redeemer, a Messiah. And now that's our, that's our goal, is to paint a picture. You have pictures on your wall. Paint a picture for them. Peace, praise, and perseverance. If we give our kids and if we give people out there in this world those three things, it'll be the best medicine that they can ever have. It'll be better than anything out there. And laugh with them a little bit. Y'all stand up. Let's pray. Let's pray and close. Jesus, mighty God, we love You, Lord. We thank You for all of those, Lord God, that are here. We thank You, Lord, for getting them here. And Lord Jesus, we just give You praise, Lord. Lord, we thank You, Jesus, that You give our homes peace. You can feel peace here this morning. We've definitely been praising You, Lord. And so, Lord, we leave now with perseverance in our hearts. And Lord, we know that we need to love the world. We need to show them an accurate picture of You, Jesus. And Lord, we need to do that in our homes with our children. We don't drive them. We lead them. And Lord, I pray that You teach me, Lord, how to lead better. How not to drive, but to lead to still waters. Lord, we just thank You so much. You're a good God. And Lord, I just pray that these precious people take away a few nuggets from today. And Lord, I pray that we walk in it. Jesus, we love You with all our heart. In Your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Now, for a little bonus round, and I'll turn this off. Oh, leave it on. I just wanted to update you guys with where we're at, Rhonda and I are at, in our walk. Uh, this will only take 90 minutes. So, No. Yeah, just have a seat just for a minute. Of course, a lot of you know that uh, we feel called to Israel to do missions work. And what God's had us doing in the last couple years is a Bible study at our house where we teach the Hebraic roots of the Bible, a lot of stuff that Pastor Eric is sharing with you. And we were with a group called Bridges for Peace, and God has been letting me glean from their field, I guess, on the Word and their lessons and so forth, and it's been enriching and enlivening. However, God has showed us that we may not, shown us that we may not be linked up with them per se, but we may go out with a spirit like them. Um, some people break the fallow ground and some people are there for the harvest. And we feel both, like we'll be doing both. Then we met up with some uh, evangelists, with a kindred spirit with Jews for Jesus. And they came into Baton Rouge and didn't know what God was doing there. And they have a heart to definitely shake the olive tree. And so I was like, well, Lord, are we going to be shakers for Christ? And he was like, no, I just want you to glean something from them before we send you out. And so we've not gone out yet. We've taken a few foot washing trips. And we're going to go this year. June. June. If you're listening by tape, this ministry is going to Israel. 
And uh, we're going to go there. I've already talked with some missionaries that are from uh, this state and are already there in, in Israel that would come and talk to us and share with us what they're doing. And we want to meet and greet and get into it. You know, the best thing you can do is not go on a tour. The best thing you could do if you do go to Israel is to go and take the land tours, like go to the sites. There's always two opinions in Israel about everything. But the best way to learn is just to rent a car, get in a taxi, and go walk in the marketplace and do it. And just get out. Get lost in Israel. And you know what? What the Yeah, eat some shawarma. But, uh, and that's kind of where we're at. We're, we're planning on doing some things. We have, uh, God gave me, y'all had a uh, Passover meal here that's going out to the masses now. Do you know, you may not know a little bit behind that, Pastor Eric asked me to email or fax him some information to help out with that lesson that came from a trip that we went on in 1998. And it's about the Hillel, and it's about the Passover meal. And that night, I can't tell you how long did it take, five hours? Brad, you were part in on the mix. All the stuff coming across. It must have took four or five hours to get that information to Eric. And I was like, Lord, this must going to be a blessing because such struggles to get just to get it faxed. Well, after it was all faxed and said and done last year, or this past April rather, that night I went to the table to grab the little yellow meal thing that you have that they give you at the Passover meal in Israel. When I went to reach to grab it, I grabbed this other thing that is called the Biblical Lands Resources. Uh, it's a printout. And it, it, it's a summary of what they do. And uh, when I went to grab it, God said, you do it. And I was like, what do you mean, Lord? You do it. And so God spoke to my heart that we were to build this village called Messiah's Village. And it would be very much like the pattern that's already there in Israel. And if you ever go to Israel, make sure you go to the Biblical Land Resources place. It's, it's different. Is it in Judea? No, in June. Oh, I thought you meant it's in Judea. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is we're going to do something like that here in Baton Rouge. And that's we've got, you know, currently where we're at in our walk is we've put some money down on five acres of land, and we're going to build this Messiah's village. Our biggest fear a long time ago walking in this, we had heard all the war stories from Rhonda's brother is a missionary, been a missionary for 15 years, Pastor Buzz and the stories he's blessed us with, and just walking with it. Missionaries are supported by hundreds of churches, giving a dollar here, ten dollars there, and that's great. And that is a way to go. And what Jesus shared with me that night is He said, I'm going to bring the people to you. You're going to share your heart about Israel and why we need to go out and talk to them and share the love of Yeshua. And that in turn will help support you to not only go to Israel, but to go to other countries where there are Jews and share the love of Jesus. So we're walking in that. I thought I would update you uh, on our picture. Amen. Uh, something Rhonda didn't get to share with you was her dream. And, Rhonda, I think you need to post that on their web form in detail. Rhonda will show you. And uh, we, her dream that she had in 1997 was at Eric's uh, stepdad's house in Baton Rouge, Gary Kitchen and Miss Jan Kitchen. And uh, it was so neat. Her dream had Eric in it. And the cool thing is, over the years, by studying some Jewish history and reading the Word, is that uh, was it Eric that passed the rod through the uh, light? We know that the rod 
is God's precepts. It's the nation of Israel. It's the measuring. It's the standard of God. And that God would use the nation of Israel and their precepts as the standard. And uh, anyway, she'll post that on your web one day. But that's kind of where we're at. And uh, waiting on God and taking a few faith walk trips. And uh, we love you guys very much. We're influenced by y'all very much. So we hope to to do that as well. Love you guys. Let me see your mic for a minute. All right. Can't Hallelujah. <laughs> Hang out here. Yeah, have a seat there. Y'all didn't think you would get out early on a Sunday, did you? Yeah, yeah, I know. What Gary's sharing about his uh, vision that he and Rhonda have both embarked on, I think it's a noble one. What they want to do is give people the opportunity in the southern part of the United States to see the kind of things that we paid lots and lots of money to go to Israel to see. When he says build Messiah's village, he didn't mean an apartment complex. He's talking about a place where kids can come and study in a, uh, what do we call those when kids go in the summer to camp? Vacation Bible, Vacation Bible School. Yeah, and churches can take tours. Was that it would, the first people to support us would be Vacation Bible Schools. I was sitting in the chair when he was laying it out to me, yeah. and the first thing he was putting on my heart is, Vacation Bible Schools will come to this, and kids will learn about the Israel of God. And it will be okay. stations they'll go through, and they'll be in biblical settings, and they'll learn a lesson at each of those stations about Jesus, like the uh, the Olive Press or and, and numerous others. In that great? Hour. So the kind of things he's telling us to, to impress upon our children, because the Word says this really is his heart to do. And you know, when I met Gary and Rhonda, they couldn't have babies. You know why God gave them babies? Why Why they have beautiful little girls and boys? Because God knows that they will teach and impress these things upon their children. So he's going to entrust them with more than just their natural children. They're going to get the opportunity to start with things like vacation Bible school because God's intent is to raise up people that are conscious of Israel's place and purpose in the plan of God. And see, I just think that's beautiful. I wanted to read you something that I know Gary had in his notes because I got a a preview (laughs) of this last night. He he, uh, allowed me the benefit of getting a chance to chew on this a little longer. Listen to this. It says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, Mm -hmm. but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I tell you, Gary and I went through uh, discipleship phases together with each other, learning from each other. You know why the man made it and why he's doing so well? It's hard to get a smile off of his face. Now, Gary and I could mess up some things royally. There's no question about that. But the joy carried us through. So the message he's teaching came right out of his life. And that's, that's why I asked him to speak. It's why I, I love it. It came right out of his life. And it's a message worth taking to the nations. And uh, there's nothing proud or lofty in this family. They're humble and full of the love of God. And so it's contagious. You don't know them and you want to be around them. And uh, I just think that's neat. Rhonda, I'll show you how to post on the web because yeah. we, we want you all in, involved in that. And I just want to encourage you that this, these principles of of praise, of uh, having peace, praising, and what is there perseverance. And perseverance. Those are the, that's, that's the only way you survive as a Christian. And despair is the enemy of faith. You know, and so when he says put on a garment of praise instead of despair, yeah. you know, despair leads... That's what I read before we started this about having no regrets. The prophecies that came forth this morning, isn't it neat how they line up right away with the Word? Yeah. I am the God who hears. All of those yeah. things. 
God orchestrated this for our benefit. Cherish these times. Get, take that word and listen to it. I'll have it posted in two hours on the Internet. Tell people about it. Put comments about what you thought about it on the Internet so somebody else doesn't just see a title. They see what you thought about it and it might encourage them to listen. Uh, I love this family and I want us to pray for them. They've blessed us. Yeah, come on up here, Rhonda. you got plenty of time. They, they're not used to getting out on time. No, I just wanted to say one thing. I know that um, we are in a stage where we have small children, but not everybody's in our little stage. You know, Mandy, you haven't had children yet, and some of you have grandchildren um, that you love dearly. And I just wanted, I was thinking about it, as Gary was saying, you know, you that maybe don't have children of your own yet or maybe you have grandchildren, you can bless those little children. Um, even more in some ways than as parents we can. We've been at the most precious couple's house right there, Darnell and Steve. Their house just has so much peace in it. Yeah. Our hyper children are just calm. <laughs> they, were, they were not like at that restaurant the other night. They have been just peaceful, but it, it does. Your homes have so much peace, and um, all it takes is, you know, for like, those of you that maybe have grandchildren or not children, you know, maybe those little children love you. Our children have fallen in love with Darnell and Steve, and they just get on their knees and they talk to them and they love them. And you can bless them and pray for them right there, even though they're not your own. Yeah. Even if they're not your own children, they, you have the opportunity to bless children you don't even know, children in the store that are being pushed around in buggies. You know, just, just say a kind word to them. You know, bless them in the name of Jesus, and that just that will always impress those little children. So I just wanted to say, even though you may not be in the, the chasing stage with the children and the nursing and all that diaper changing, you can also bless them just as much with, um, with what you do, shining your light for Jesus. So while we've got them up here, y'all put down your things for a minute. Come pray for them. You know, it, it's, it's something when somebody sells their house or gives up inheritance or saves money for years and years and years because they want to do something to benefit somebody else's life. I've known Gary and Rhonda a long time. It's not a scheme to make money. You don't do that with vacation Bible schools. You know? Yeah. Uh, traveling to foreign lands to, to pray for people, to love on people. That's, that's not a get-rich-quick scheme. These guys are about pouring out their lives, and I want to be a part of it. And although they don't want to go to hundreds of churches to get support... If we never see them again until the day that they go home to be with Jesus, I will support their ministry financially and every other way because it's a ministry worth supporting. So I just want you all to know that's how this ministry feels about that one. It's called Grafted In Ministries. And uh, they're still doing incorporation work and all of that stuff. But that's beside the point. Jesus birthed it. And... uh, Oh, look, Christine, that's a miracle right there. Oh, yeah. You're looking at a miracle. So we're going to pray for them and turn this thing off, and people on the web will just miss out. That's why they need to come to church. <laughs>